Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Wiredly Inspired with your hosts, Taylor Pasichnik and Steve Blizinchenko. We're going to get right into it today as we have a very special guest with us today, and his name is Matt Hamill. Matt and I met actually in Red Deer College uh, pretty well a decade ago, actually, where we both received our Bachelor of Business degrees. The reason we wanted Matt on the podcast to share his story and perspectives is because he is intelligent, hardworking, has experience in many areas, but more so Matt is a very down-to-earth guy. You will find him either highly focused and serious or with a big smile cracking jokes as he lights up a room. Matt is primarily a senior financing specialist in the agricultural division with Royal Bank of Canada. However, it does not stop there. Matt is also a co-owner of his family's business, which is called Red Shed Malting. If you already guessed it, then yes, it is a malting business that focuses on specialty malts, which cater to the beer and distillery industry. Utilizing only Canadian ingredients. Matt is also a Newfield Scholar, which is a prestigious rural leadership program available to anyone in Canada who is involved in agriculture in any capacity of primary production, industry, or governance. It provides, it provides individuals with a unique opportunity to access the world's most extensive network in food and farming. If that wasn't enough, Matt spends his time with the Piper Creek Optimist Club of Red Deer, which we will get into a little bit later and explore as when he is not doing that in his spare time, Matt loves uh, to indulge in live music as it is his passion and preparing for the arrival of a newborn. Lastly, congratulations, Matt, on your recent marriage, my friend, and welcome to the podcast. Whoa, we whoa, whoa. What an intro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, you very it, much. <laughs> I think it was well due. So that was amazing. Wow. <laughs> so we'll get right into it, man. Like I said, uh, obviously, you know, there's a lot to explore. Um, you know, like I said, I wanted to get you on the podcast because I, I do find you a fairly decorated individual. And, you know, I just, we, we've, you know, slowly progressed a friendship throughout the years and we have that you know, that base ground, if you will, coming from college together, you know, exploring and receiving our, you know, just our background in business. So, you know, I never really thought of it at all that it would amount to this, you know, being me being in a little bit into the finance industry now, but uh, you have that background. Um, for what? How long have you been in the yeah. industry? Uh, when I first started going to school, I didn't think I was going to end up in the finance industry either. Um, but uh Finished up the the diploma at RDC, and uh, my aunt's friend kind of said, "Hey, we got uh, an opening at ATB," and uh, I thought it was a great way to kind of dip my feet into the business world. And mm-hmm. um, as a an account manager, it's a position where you get to look into a whole bunch of different businesses. So it was really interesting, and and I figured, you know, I do that for a couple of years and find uh, the industry, the business that I love, and go do that. Uh, but it took a little bit longer, and that's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. No, we all cool. share that in common. We all have a, a finance background and I didn't graduate from Red Deer College with my business admin. It turned into general party for me. <laughs> but, you know, I, I went for the same thing. That, the goal was relatively there, but I yeah. decided to party and then just go work. But I went to Red Deer College for business admin myself. So it's, it's funny. And then we all ended up in finance. So that's yeah. relatable to all of us. Yeah, cool. mine, mine was sort of like that. So I did the did the diploma and then uh had some recreation time but uh, working at that as well 
Yeah. Um, and then I went back and got the degree and that's where I met Taylor and crazy. Yeah. What year was that you guys met? Yeah. That's a, I mean, if you came back, I guess it would have been 2013. I'd imagine 2013. Cause right? I started 2011, but yeah. I, yeah. if I'm not wrong, maybe it was 2011 when the diploma, right? Cause that would have been my start. Yeah, but when that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, 2011 like to 2013. So that's why I kind of say yeah. decade, right? I mean, it's crazy. It's almost been 10 years. It's yeah. making me feel old, but. Hey, I, w- I was the old guy when I when I started. <laughs> in, <laughs> Looking in around class, all these so chumps. What yeah. am I now? <laughs> these pretty well high school students here, yeah. <laughs> when no. you, uh, what was it about the finance industry that kind of drew you that way? Or was it was was it just the opportunity that you had that, that presented itself? Yeah. Or were you kind of like, oh. You know, finance, I kind of always thought about that or... Um, no, I hadn't, hadn't really grown up thinking about that, but uh, was always pretty decent with numbers um, and and like business and stuff. And it was just a, a good kind of peek behind the scenes and yeah. getting to talk to tons of different entrepreneurs and uh, help some people kind of realize some of their dreams and stuff and and see the the ups and downs of what they're going through. And Right, yeah. Yeah, so it was pretty cool. Yeah, behind the scenes of that would be would be very interesting, especially in, from the entrepreneur standpoint, because so many people, such it's such a fluctuation with entrepreneurs. You can be hot one minute, and then the next year you're cold and like re, re, regathering your information. Are you in business? Or like, you yeah, business? Yeah, yeah, like what am I doing here? Right. So yeah, that's pretty cool. And, and then just be the, be behind the books on on some of that stuff would be pretty interesting to see. I'm sure just seeing somebody's portfolio, being like, oh, okay. He's he's got it, or this person's struggling. I don't know. We can help you here. Yeah, Yeah. we can do this with you or for you. Yeah, yeah. It's finances is a cool industry. Really, really is. I don't know. You can tell a lot about what what's going on in people's lives based on their financial situation, right? So, yeah, really cool. Absolutely, and I'm glad you said ATB because I completely forgot that you started there. Yeah, but you're at RBC now. So, so why RBC out of all the other banks and institutions? Um, well, it's towards the end of the ATB career. I was out in uh, Crossfield, Carstairs, Didsbury, and Linden covering that territory. Okay. Um, RBC gave me a, a chance to move back home. Um, and so that opened the door to, to going back to school. Um, and uh, I didn't know it at the time, but it opened the door towards uh, Red Shed Malting. That's cool. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Which we'll get into because that is, that is definitely an exciting topic uh, of the evening. And, uh, something obviously close to home because it's local right so um you know before we do that though keeping on the you know the financial kind of aspect and pillar is you know steve and i are super passionate you know for the most part about finance right wealth investing you know all that good stuff in between being properly protected Mm -hmm. uh, and just learning the pros and cons really of that whole industry and the products, but what are some fundamentals you would say, or some advice that you would give someone that is looking to strengthen their financial pillar? Yeah. Um, so you guys kind of come at it from the, uh, inv- investments and, uh, protection side. Um, a lot of my financial backgrounds coming from the, the lending side. Okay. Um, and so I guess one of the things that I've, you know, from day one at the bank and, uh, continue learning it throughout school and, and in my new roles um, and starting a business is the value of a business plan. Um, right. So you can, it's, it's good to spend a little bit of time there, know the numbers, uh, know what your cash flows, uh, you, what you think it's going to look like. 
Um, and then just accept the fact that it's not going to look anything like that. Um, <laughs> that's a good, but so, that's the best honest. advice ever. <laughs> but, but so when it does change, um, and you have to implement a change, uh, you, you know how that's going to change in your business. Right. Right. So it's, if the sales were a little bit lower and you got to go attack something else, you got to know how much money you got to, to go after that new angle or right. where you're going to save money and where you're going to start making more money. And yeah. yeah, I think that's great advice because they do say a lot of businesses, they don't fail because the product or the service or the ambition or the drive wasn't there. It's because they don't know their numbers, the, how to manage. And they don't know money. what's yeah. coming in, what's coming out. They're just doing but they're not like really paying attention to that side of the equation. Like we've had a million dollars in sales. Like, yeah, but you had 1.5, you know, million dollars in expenses. So yeah, like, you actually problem. lost half a million. <laughs> like, like you know what I mean? So whatever that looks like for people, that, I think that is great advice. I think knowing the numbers is, is definitely something they talk about just from your dragon's dens and your shark tank shows and all the stuff that you watch with that stuff too. It's like, know your numbers. Yeah. What does it cost? What is it? Blah, 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 blah. You know, yeah, a huge advice right there for sure. And if you're not a numbers person, then bring a numbers person in. Like, yeah, the, our, our family business, um, or lots of the businesses I see, they'll they'll be great at something, but not know the numbers. And um, it's you, you can't be afraid to go out and get some help with that too. Absolutely. Yeah, and it might like I'm not saying you got to go hire a, a CFO, um, but even if you got a friend who's good with numbers, sit down and go over it with them. Uh, um, some of the old college brewmaster students, I've helped them sat down and kind of go through their business plan with them. Um, certainly don't want to charge them anything or anything. I uh, just want to see them do well. And I think, uh, if people right. kind of look around, they'll, they'll probably find that they can got someone, someone they can lean on to look at those numbers for them. No, that's yeah. right. That's powerful. And that's really cool. You do that. I, I, I obviously didn't know that. Um, do, do you enjoy doing that? Like, is that fun for you helping people kind of with the, the business plan in, in that sense? Yeah, there's a ton of boring parts of my job, and that's not one of them. It's, <laughs> um, so once you're uh, really kind of helping someone understand their business and and helping them uh, build a path towards what their goals, uh, that's rewarding. Yeah, no, I can I can see that, man. I mean, that's that's something I noticed in you like right away uh, within the first couple of months of meeting you. And you're you're a person of growth, just like Steve and I, right? Like you're not one of just comfort and I'm just good. I'm gonna stay stagnant. You're like, where, you know? Okay, after a while, like I'm here, but like, what's the next level? Like, where can I develop myself? And yeah, where can I help people? And you're always willing to do that. So on top of that, do you see yourself in the position that you're at now? at RBC, do you see yourself kind of there long-term? Uh, probably not. Um, no? okay. it's the red has been growing pretty good and, oh, nice. um, demanding more and more of the time. And, uh, the family has been, you know, doing a lot, but we're, we're all, uh, putting in some long hours. So we've, we've brought on some help and, um, hopefully with, uh, the next expansion, I'll be, uh, with red full time. Wow. Sweet. That yeah. is, that is exciting. I cool. just want to go back to sure. something real quick. Cause yeah. I, I'm this guy. I'm, I like to go back a little bit sometimes. All right. Let's roll back. Um, the only rollback is just, I wanted to highlight a point that you mentioned there. Um, just in case anybody missed it. Uh, you basically said if, you know, hire somebody with the numbers, if you don't, uh, know them. And I think that's an important, um, piece of advice for any entrepreneurs because you know a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs and a lot of the ones that are super successful if you don't know something you hire somebody that knows that and and the greatest entrepreneurs networkers whatever however you want to classify them they always outsource what they don't know 
you know, Henry Ford talked about it. He's like, I don't need to know everything. I just need to hire people that know everything. You know, like if I don't know how to do this, like he never invented the engine. He just hired the guy that knew how to build the engine. Right. So yeah. you just always outsource people. And I think that's going to always going to be your longevity to any business. If you don't know, find somebody that knows and just pay that guy to do it. If it obviously fits within the expenses and the budget, of course. But, but I just wanted to highlight that point that you said, cause I think that was great advice. No, yeah. No, don't no, be yeah. too proud to ask for help. Like everyone yeah. needs help. Yeah. Can't do it yourself. Right. There's a reason why there's a team. Well, there's a cost to your time in figuring out something that maybe you struggle with. What, you know, people don't put a value on the cost. You know, what's your time worth? Is your time worth 50 bucks an hour and you can outsource that for 20? You're saving 30 bucks an hour. You got to think about it from those numbers standpoint. You got to know what your value is. If you can put your your time towards something else that can generate your business a thousand bucks and you can outsource something for 50, you're actually up 950 bucks. However, the numbers work. I'm just throwing random numbers out there, but but that's, you know, just to, again, know your numbers. If if you can outsource something for cheaper, just do it for cheaper and focus your time in the area where you can actually generate the, the highest level of income. Yeah, and hopefully the quality's there too, right? I mean, you want to be quality focused, but I mean, yeah. you want to, yeah, cheaper yeah. is always, you know, for the most part, better. Well, sometimes you're just, your value is better in other places, yes. right? Yeah. Totally. If you're good at building your brand and you don't need to necessarily know the numbers if no. you can hire a guy to do it. Well, like you said, the Henry, Henry Ford uh, reference was good. Like that's, yeah. And you're, well, you can you're reference any, I bet, no. I'm sure Bezos, Elon Zuckerberg, Musk, Musk all yeah. of them. I don't know that shit. Well, I, I'll just hire a guy to do it. Yeah. Totally. So sorry to backtrack. No, no, no. That's good. That's how I roll. <laughs> this is our podcast. We can do whatever we want. It's good, man. It's good. I just uh, thought that was an important. We got the edit point, master so. here, so you can just we can cut it out if yeah. we want. But uh, you know, let's transition transition a little bit. But before, because the bulk, I, I mean, there's going to be a little bit of red shell, red shed, obviously. But there's a story there. Yeah, there's some um, stuff there. However, I believe and correct me if i'm wrong matt i do believe it started a little bit especially with your endeavor uh and venture with it and experience all that stuff i do believe it started with a little bit of that newfield scholar you know that scholarship and that that experience so just shed some light for the audience on that and how you kind of stumbled across it where that led you because i know you had travel opportunities and it, it just you know it kind of expanded your mind and your knowledge so if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little light light on that yeah, you bet. Um, so uh, I was sitting at the the office at the bank, as as I always am, and um, every week they kind of pass around a folder, and it's got the latest news articles and stuff, uh, just so that um, everyone's keeping current on their industry. And one of the the regulars in there is uh, the farmer's newspaper, the Western Producer, and hmm. uh, they actually had an ad for the the Nuffield Scholarship, and so I, I looked it over and then you know, didn't think too, too much of it. Um, but kind of kept that in the back of the mind for a while. And, um, it rolled around again next year. And by that time I'd, I'd, uh, you know, recognize it, uh, out in the real world a little bit more, seeing a few, uh, people that had been involved in it and heard some stories. Uh, so I was a little more excited and, uh, got my name in there and was lucky enough to, to be selected. It's, um, malting, it's, it was such a new industry and craft brewing was really taking off. Um, and, and so it's a, it's a story and an industry and something that people like to latch onto. And so I think I, you know, sort of lucked out, um, and maybe my, my application floated to, to the top of the pile a little bit because of that. And, but, uh, I'll, I'll absolutely take it. And yeah, it, it was, it's a super neat program. So, um, it's, they 
they invest heavily in in individuals um, with with an idea. And so my idea was I oh, wanted wow. to go around the world and find some of the best practices in the barley value chain. Um, and uh, one of the places that I thought would be really great to do that would be Australia because it's a similar size country with a similar climate. Right. Um, growing some of the same crops. Um, but also doing some things completely differently. So yeah. it was super interesting to go over there and talk to some farmers there, talk to some distillers, some maltsters, uh, some of the seed industry people, uh, some government people, um, learn about what they're doing. Uh, did a little bit of that in, in New Zealand as well. Oh, I've uh, always wanted to go there. Oh, you know, it is such an, in, such an interesting place. Yeah, such a beautiful it's place. It's number one on my list. Yeah. yeah. And it's just a, a world unto itself, like being that isolated island and and just owning that. It's like so. There's cool things that they can do with farming um, because of that. There's uh, some pretty amazing export stuff that they're doing because of that. Right. Um, yeah. So traveled there, um, met up with the other Nuffield scholars for the year in Brazil. Right after that, uh, and then a couple more little trips into the United States and Eastern Canada and. Um, then started putting together my report. So cool, amazing. Man. So cool. I got, I got, yeah. I got one or two things here. Yeah. I can't, yeah, I can't help, but think <laughs> yeah. that, am I saying it wrong? Is it Newfield or Nuffield? Uh, I say Nuffield, but it's like, this is not a set in stone thing. Oh, okay. well, I imagine, I imagine for one guy it is, but yeah. Yeah. yeah for the yeah. guy that actually came <laughs> up with the name. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> like, Shame on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're like, both getting it wrong, but, um, that's so cool, man, because I know, that obviously, cool. you, you the experience, I mean, I know you'll never forget it uh, for the memories you do remember, uh, being around beer, yeah. uh, the <laughs> people, but the connections, and I mean, just the, the demographic and the geography yeah, cool. and just everything in between, man. I just, I do vividly remember when you were going through that process and obviously you'd share it on social media and stuff like that, obviously, like who wouldn't and, and, you know, some pictures and I was like, that's so cool. Like, you know, to travel, but to learn and, yeah. you know, this, this program and, really cool. I mean, and then that was pretty much the, not so much the startup, but pretty much the startup of, you know, what we'll get into with Red Shed. And it was, I, I just think it's very cool. Yeah. What, uh, the choice to, to get into the program for the specific reason that you did, what actually, like, what was it about? going around and learning about that specific topic was was something that you wanted to do so much was it because your family was already involved in that industry well was we had it that like were you like the the one that really pushed your family in that direction accelerated it we yeah. had like just just started with red shed and um like i grew up on a farm but to be real honest with you i did not pay attention to the farm um <laughs> like and most young kids in alberta sometimes <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, so I had so much to learn about the farm, um, and I, I needed, uh, you know, the fast forward course, and right. so just um, directly kind of injecting myself in that in in okay. different places around the world, and going and like staying with farmers on their farm, and Crazy. hopping in some equipment with them, and taking a look at stuff. Oh, uh, really got to learn stuff pretty quick, and no kidding. Um, yeah, and then just made some connections in in the malt industry as well, and which have continued uh, to benefit me. Learned about some technologies. Uh, that was the first place that I heard about uh, blockchain. Oh, um, wow! What yeah. a what a strange coincidence to yeah. hear about blockchain. Yeah, and so came back, and um, it you know it, it was a couple of years after that, but uh, Red Shed was involved with the the first beer in North America that traced the ingredients using blockchain. 
No way. Yeah. So crazy. Uh, just some some weird little connections. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. Turned out pretty cool. That's wild. I do remember that too. Thank you for bringing that up. I, I and obviously then I was like blockchain, like kind of. I mean, it's still so it's still so to me. new. So man. new. Uh, and now NFTs uh, is well, this new thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I was just listening to a pod, not to go down that. No, road, no, it's so all good. We but can, I'm yeah. just like, <laughs> but, blockchain was so is so new, and and I still don't fully understand what that even means. Very few people do. Well, and and that's why it was a good fit with beer because it's, um, like it it adds integrity into the supply chain, um, and helps consumers have faith uh in something so one one example that i'll kind of use is um there's like free trade coffee or fair trade coffee out there yeah. right yeah um but really they're they're paying a company to certify that it was fair trade and maybe that company does some audits and maybe they've been to that uh, production place or not right um blockchain it would allow a consumer to to like scan a qr code or something and then they could see what that coffee company paid which farmer to grow it where and, oh, and what were right. some of the parts of the contract? So was it uh, certain quality parameters? Um, was it a certain moisture? Or was it a Holy. certain freshness? Wow! Um, and and so so it's putting some stuff behind the contracts and eventually getting it so that what's recording the important parts of that contract is happening without any of the farmer's input. So like they'll run their product through. Um, a scanner that's hooked up to Internet of Things, yeah, and that'll automatically say yes or no if this met the contract or not. That's so cool. Yeah. So wow. that's, that's <laughs> a lot. We you can explore a, that for the next man, hour. We could have an entire <laughs> podcast on yeah, that for sure. Holy yeah. man! So some of the industries that are like amazing lat- latching onto it are, um, are are the ones that you hear about it for bad reasons in the news, like when there's uh, food poisonings and stuff, or right. E. coli outbreaks and stuff. Yeah. Um, so they want to have a better traceability system and they want to help consumers have faith in their product. Um, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. But, but people aren't going to, you know, flip over the package of ground beef that they bought at the store and scan right. QR codes on that just right. yet. Yeah. Um, but you throw that on a beer can and everyone has faith in the beer can and yeah. kind of want to know the story of the farmer and that, um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's such a niche market the way beer's kind of gone. It feels like a little bit, there's just so many, oh, yeah. You know, beer's really taken on a new life of itself in a sense. It's not just the classic go grab Mainstream your stuff, go grab your yeah. kokanee or whatever. Now it's like this entire there's like a like a whole community around these cra- the craft beer and and there's so much meaning behind it now that's it's not just drinking a beer it's like a lifestyle <laughs> um all, you know it's it's and and it's really cool because like when you find what you're looking for like it's 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 your thing you know it's almost like a part of who you are in a sense when you find that wine or that beer or whatever it really is and and then when you know the owners and you know the background and you like like with a lot of things, you become passionate about that that distillery or that that brewery or whatever it is because you know their products and where they're made and that they support local and that 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 the whole process the whole right. process is amazing it, because so many Whoa. it's like local ingredients support Canada da 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 we employ Canadians and it just it's every country seems to have its own or starting to have its own um, industry around different beers and malts and different it, it's it's cool it's it's cool that it's taken a, a life of its own. Um, I, I really, I really think it's a neat thing. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Like it's um, the way communities are embracing some of these craft breweries that are popping up, and then the way that the craft breweries are showing love back and mm-hmm. supporting the events and 
um, you know, uh, standing up for causes and not afraid to throw their voice and some of their clout around. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a great industry to be part of. Yeah. yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. There's a lot of, lot to it for sure. Speaking of beer and, uh, we'll get right into red shed here in a second, but what there's so many different, I mean, I don't even know if style is the right, the right term, but what, what kind of, what's your favorite style or type of beer? Matt, like what do you what there's so many stouts and this and loggers and you name it what's, ipas what's and, yeah you have it, one um so so kind of my go-to is just a a good solid pale ale which is you know just a little bit more malt and a little bit more hop than um some of the the macro loggers and stuff that are out there um and i'll i'll drink uh some of the the wild and crazy the mixed fermentation barrel aged um stuff and the super hoppy stuff and the super malty stuff and the super boozy stuff the fruit yeah yeah i like the fruity stuff i'm a fruity guy blueberry or raspberry or something whatever i'm a fruity guy yeah i'll try it all and i've there's beers in each style that i i love quite a bit um but yeah it's I, I do enjoy, you know, a, a good pale ale where you can you can get a few of them and you can bring those camping or you can bring them out on the lake or something. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I dig it. There's yeah. a few terms that are just something I think are worth explaining. Sure. Because things I don't completely understand sometimes. <laughs> um, first one is just malt. Like, what is a malt exactly? Like, when you say the word malt, what does that actually mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, perfect. Um, so... To make it a little bit more confusing first, if you talk to a farmer <laughs> and you say malt, um, it's going to mean one thing. If you talk to a maltster and say malt, it might mean another thing. If you talk mm. to a brewer, it might mean another thing. Okay. Um, but to now simplify it, um, we consider it taking barley, putting it through the malting process, and then you got malt. And so malt is a usable ingredient for brewers. Um, and so it provides the sugars that the brewers are going to ferment into alcohol. Oh, yeah, sweet. Okay, I'm glad I asked that question. Okay, term number two. Yeah, hop. When 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 you say the word hop, what's that really implying? What does that mean? Okay, so hop is um, it's a it's a plant uh, that grows on a vine, um, and so it's kind of a green cone shaped. uh, Okay, yeah, and Mm -hmm. inside of it, um, there's a bright yellow green powder, a lupulin. Um, oh, and it has, I've never heard that word before. That's cool. has some great, uh, aromas, uh, to it. Um, and so hops will be used to add, um, some of the, the fruity characteristics. So lots of, um, like grapefruit, uh, peach, lemon. Um, and then it will also kind of give some pine resin flavors okay. sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so those flavors, um, so when you, if you flip, look at the side of a beer can, it's usually going to have some of those flavor attributes to it, mm-hmm. um, which are given to the hops and I'll, I'll kind of race you to the next one. And so specialty malt is kind of the, mm-hmm. another term okay. in beer and, and that's what we focus on. And so specialty malt as opposed to the base malt, um, yeah. base malt provides the sugar that gets turned into alcohol, specialty malt provides flavors and stuff. So oh. color and flavor. Okay. Um, so especially malt, they can add um, like a breakfast cereal or a That's nutty cool. flavor or chocolate or coffee um, or caramel or toffee. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. 
I like that. So would you mix like just the bass and specialty sometimes or no? It's yeah, one or the absolutely. Other. Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, that makes so sense. So yeah. in a typical craft beer, it might be 80% base malt and 20% specialty malts. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and that ratio can change wildly. Like it could be zero percent specialty malt, or it could be fifty percent specialty malt. But eighty twenty is kind of a good rule. Uh, just, just another one of those places yeah. in life where it comes up, right? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody knows that rule? It's a universal. I got rule. a third one. Um, when people refer to like IPA, yeah. like I'm not exactly sure what's like. Oh, this is a two. This is whatever. Like IPA, what does that really? justify or mean when it when it comes to a beer um so it, it stands for uh, india pale ale and um so it's the 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 long historical story is um that beer getting transported overseas or from india um to help preserve them they would add more hops to it because hops are a natural preservative okay um so uh, it's, it's a hoppier beer in, in okay. general right so that's going to be like a stronger taste in beer in general. Um, stronger tasting, yeah. yeah. And and typically it will have like a slightly higher alcohol. So it's going to be in the 6 to 7% alcohol. Oh, higher oh, higher yeah. IBUs. Typically. So the more hop flavor is more IBU. Yeah. And so... Um, okay. Which is, sorry, international yeah. beer units. Bitterness. bitterness. Bitterness, yeah. Oh. I just, that's why we have yeah. a man here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. So... So hops are a neat thing. So it's if you add them earlier in the brewing process, then it's going to add bitterness to the beer. And okay. if you add them later in the brewing process, then it's going to add aroma to it. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Um, so if you add a, it early in there, and there's a whole mathematical formula that doesn't actually matter. Uh, if you add it earlier, that's going to have higher IBUs. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Because I, I ask because I'm like, I see high... Higher IBUs, especially when they use it on the can. Yeah. And you can see, and then there's some other uh, abbreviations or acronyms, yeah. or whatever. And I, I, I forget them. You, you, Matt, I'm sure you would know. But there's so many. But IBUs is something to, you know, to kind of gauge yeah. a beer. And I'm like, the higher it is, it's probably not for me, yeah. especially for drinkability. But hey, if you want to pair it with a fish or steak or something, <laughs> sure. Right? <laughs> like, I'm sure. But uh, no, that's, that's, uh, that's a lot I just of see the that's IPA cool. thing. Like, when you go to a place like Bose, for instance, in Red yeah. Deer, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck yeah. that means. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm out. This is a 7 IPA I'm like okay do you have bush here yeah <laughs> well, now I'm like so is that like a lighter beer like or is that like a darker beer you know because I'm like I want it blonde baby like, yeah that's, that's me you blonder the better so yeah so um, one one beer that I kind of use for educational purposes is um uh Hell's Basement Brewery in Medicine Hat they got uh a beer called Huru Huru or the Feather um and never heard of those ones. so the ibus on it is zero because there's no hops added early in the process okay uh, but then they add a whole bunch at the end okay. so you're getting lots of aroma but no bitterness that's where yeah i think that might be my wheelhouse yeah so some people will say i don't like hops but maybe they just mean they don't like bitter because they yeah. still like oh, a, wow. a beer that smells good is still a nice thing yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's true yeah. I, I love that um I guess the fourth question, I guess, now that we've talked about all this, can you walk, what's, what's your typical process in, in the, I guess the most dumbing down version of like how you make beer, like from a start to finish in the most basic form, uh, just to understand how that process actually works from start to finish. Okay. You bet. So I'm, I'm going to take it through 
Um, I'm going to give you a, a condensed version, but I'm going to go from start to finish. So okay. like we're going from planting the grain. So okay. farmers grow barley. Yep. Um, and you know, that's a, you know, planted in April, May and combine it in September. Um, and then they'll get it cleaned and then it goes through the malting process. So the malting process is about one week and okay. we can go into that in more details if you want. Um, but at the end of the malting process, then we got the base malt. And if we further process it, we got a specialty malt. I send that to a brewery and a brewery, um, then brews it. Uh, so kind of boiling it, getting the sugars out and then adding yeast to ferment that into alcohol. Right. So you leave it to ferment for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Or oh, wow. Wow. Um, and then essentially you got beer at the end. Crazy. So it just wow. basically sits there. For yeah, the most part. <laughs> there's a whole lot of waiting. <laughs> yeah. I guess the good things come to those who wait, they say. Yeah. Right. The farmer's so, got to wait, and then the maltster's got to wait, and there's there's nothing you can do in these processes to, to speed them up. So it's... Yeah. You know, or else you just don't have a good product, obviously. Yeah. Crazy. Huh. It's got me thinking. It, so you must have to, like... I mean, the process, you must have to almost, like, backlog it in a way. Right? Like, in terms of, like, it, it's such a process in a waiting period... For each kind of step, it seems like, but you must have because what if you have like a bad kind of crop, right? Or a bad, you know, you don't, you don't want to talk about it too much, but like a bad season, but that the ingredients, mm. it just seems like it just the waiting period and it, you just have to have like an abundance first. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like yeah. For the next year and then the next year. Because yeah. you're brewing so much. Like, breweries are nonstop. <laughs> They're not like, oh, well, yeah. we'll just wait this one out. We don't really have anything. It's like, no, well, we need it now. Yeah. That, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's super yeah. topical because it's yeah. – uh, right now we're kind of going through harvest season. Um, and, in like, right here immediately in, in the Red Deer surrounding area, we're getting some okay crops. Um, but as you guys noticed, it was a very dry, yes. dry growing season. Yes. Um, and so there's a – and it's been dry kind of across most of North America. Um, so there's a lot of fields where they didn't produce as much barley and as much malt quality barley as they were hoping. And so there's a a shortage on, um, barley for malting and there's a shortage on barley for feeding to livestock and a shortage on a lot of grains actually. So it's interesting times. So besides the dryness and just the climate, which obviously we have no control over (laughs) for the most part, unless you create your own, I guess, but that's a different story. Did you guys experience, uh, just from your, you know, your family's farm and, and what you guys do, did you experience any of the supply chain issues at all? Like yeah. With backlogs and stuff or not? So, not really? so we've, it's something that we spend a lot of time planning um, for. So um, the year that we got going, thankfully we had really good crops and, and we put away uh, four times as much barley as we could use in a year. Um, okay. And so we, we got, uh, you know, a couple season buffer in there. Uh, we've so far every year that, uh, Red Shed's been going, Hamel Farms has got some malt quality barley. So we've been very fortunate that way, but, um, it's to, to think that that's going to go on indefinitely is, uh, is foolish, right? Like there's, there's going to be wrecks out there for sure. Okay. So shelf life isn't really a problem. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. What's the timeline for? Yeah. So you got 10 years with it, right? (laughs) Yeah. If if you can keep moisture and rodents away from, uh, the barley, um, then it typically stays good. It's, it's good if you get, there's some things you can do in storage to help prolong it and stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it'll stay as a, a live, uh, barley seed for years. 
Okay. What's the yeah. ideal way to store um, barley in general? Um, metal bin um, with aeration floor. So it's just, you, you can run some air up through it if you need to there. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then breathe a bit. Yeah. And you want to combine it when it's it's dry. So right. um, we're just getting back in the fields today on Hamel Farms because, uh, you know, we were stopped a while for the rain there. But so we want to combine it at... 13% moisture or under, and if you can do wow. that, and uh, it's good quality, then... 13% moisture. It sounds like a, a unique number. <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's not 12. Yeah. It's not 10. Yeah. It's definitely not 15. It, it's 13. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's cool. it's a sweet spot. Oh, right. oh that's... that's I, awesome. yeah, that's, I love it. So we'll add on to the fun here and uh, transition into Red Shed and explore that business. Matt, just... Tell us a little bit more of the story, you know, where you guys got the name, um, all all that good stuff. Because I know it didn't just come in the last 10, 20 years. It, it was really a family thing, right? It started with your, correct me if I'm wrong, but your grandpa, your grandparents and all that stuff, right? Like it goes back quite a ways. Um, yeah. To, well, to go way back, like to tell a bit of the Hamill Farms history. Yeah. Grandpa moved uh, with the family. Great grandpa moved in 1929 from Ireland. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we're generational <laughs> here I'm for sure. I'm a 53 uh, off the boat kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's exciting. Well, we're coming up on that hundred years. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. Which is, which is uh, quite a monument. Um, but yeah. Um, so at, at the start, it was a grain farm, had some animals as well. Uh, eventually got purified down to just a grain farm. Um, ownership transitioned to my grandpa and his twin and his brother. Um, mm-hmm. And eventually got passed down to my dad and wow. still farms a little bit with his brother. And uh, now it's... Uh, so mom and dad are still Hamill Farms. Uh, but Red Shed is mom, dad, uh, myself, my brother, and his wife, Daylin. Wow. Yeah. Okay. How old's your brother? Oh God. How old am I? That's well, that's a good that's <laughs> yeah. a follow up question. Thirty so I think Joe's thirty four. Okay. And how old are you? I think I'm thirty eight. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm born in eighty four. What does that make me? I'm thirty five and eighty six. <sighs> So I'd be 37. So I'm 37. All right. Then Joe's 33. I, I love when you can tell someone just stopped counting. And they're yeah, like, I don't like birthday. What? Like, I don't like what? Is it May you or August? Yeah. Pretty boy. Pretty, pretty quick here. Yeah. Next April. Yeah. You turn 30 next April? Yeah, that's right. man. Oh, you're 29 right now. For some reason, I thought you were 28 still. Oh, got to have a big party for 30. I, I might have to. Yeah. 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 Might have to visit. Uh, oh, Chris and Blow, baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, we'll tell the whole world, but we won't. Right? <laughs> awesome. So, I think I went from a music festival in Tennessee to uh, a bachelor party in Las Vegas on 30th birthday. Oh, wow. There <laughs> yeah. you go. That's, wow! Yeah, yeah, that's that's a story. Times were had. <laughs> times, times were had. <laughs> Beers were drank. Yeah, yeah. I bet. no that's kidding. Awesome. So you're essentially fourth generation, then. Yeah. Wow. Oh, this, uh, the numbers guy coming through. Well, I mean, it, it's pretty cool. It's, it, it's no, it, it is. You know, yeah. like just the fact that obviously your great grandfather obviously had some success um in that business in order for it to be able to transfer down to the fourth generation there had to have been obviously some some reasons for that you know you don't take over something that's not working well right yeah um and then do you know much of the history about you you know your grandparents came over and then did they settle just in this area was that 
kind of where the you know that they just kind of stamped their flag on a piece of land and just went at it kind of thing so there were some government programs back then and um you had to come and you had to learn farming um with someone who was living here and you had to do that for a year um and then you could get into some land uh so great grandpa did that um yeah uh 1929 they moved into the house they learned some farming um, I'm actually living in that house now. It's, no way. Yeah. The original house from 29? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. My brother did a... No brother way. and uh, Joe and Dalen, they did a huge reno on it. And um, and then they had a couple kids, and so it was too small for them. So That's they built impressive, a new man. Yeah. Like, yeah. original house just with some renovations done to it. Yeah. yeah. That is But it, cool. it looks like the house that uh, most people drew as a kid, and that what I would still draw as a house. <laughs> My oh. drawing skills have not evolved. Yeah, I draw stick, yeah. man. So if it looks like the house I draw, then... Yeah. That's the house I live in. <laughs> Here's the blueprint. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, but amazing. And probably Grandpa built it, or Great Grandpa built it from hand, eh? Uh, no, so he... I, I believe he purchased it. Um, really? Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Upon moving here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you were kind of saying like, um, you know, a, a great business gets handed down a lot of good things. Yeah. So there was certainly some hard, hard work, um, but okay, there was also yeah. some, some dumb luck. So uh, when he was coming over here, he didn't know exactly where he would end up settling. And I believe uh, the government would kind of just let you know. Um, okay. Kind of pick. Yeah, so I think as the story goes, he was on a train and um, he thought he was getting off one place, and the the government man said, "No, you're not getting off here. We're we're taking you to a far superior place." <laughs> <laughs> called Alberta. <laughs> yeah, Pan, Panhold, Alberta. <laughs> Where four people are living right now. <laughs> yeah, there's only a hundred now. So yeah, but but uh, ends ends up uh, it was a far superior place. Like. Um, now that, uh, I'm in the industry a little bit and I kind of like look at the soil maps and, um, there's a lot of different soil types in Alberta, like lots of, there's countries that are kind of all in the same soil area, but, uh, you can drive east and west and hit like five, six different soil types. Um, but right down the heart of uh, the busy Lizzie, the QE2 here Mm -hmm. is some high quality black soil. And, uh, so we're lucky enough to, to farm in that area and it's, so east west, it's important that we're kind of in that black soil, and then north south, uh, we're in that sweet spot where we're getting long hot summer days, but we're also getting the cool nights, and the cool nights is imp- important for getting uh, the the enzymes that you need in barley. Enzymes, we're going em- enzymes. We're going now. enzymes. Oh, okay, <laughs> science. Yeah. Oh, hey. yeah, so cool. Well, I mean, you just hear that word when it comes to a lot of different things. You just, I guess, you don't associate it with beer process and and farming. That's right. Know? You don't really hear a lot of farms talking enzymes. Well, it's <laughs> people got to remember that beer, malt, and uh, barley, they're all living things, right? Yeah, and I guess yeah. anything living has enzymes when, when you really break it down. Yeah, that makes that makes total sense. Crazy. Um, different soils. So there's it, it does, does the crop itself grow in a specific soil, obviously better than others then? Yeah, is, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there's certain different, like, I don't know much about soil. Um, so I guess one of the, the big things is just kind of how much water it can retain. Oh, um, okay. And and so if you get into some of the sandier soils and, and um, stuff, so, so that can cause some issues. Or if you get into a place that's 
Um, the pH is wrong in it. You got too much alkaline. Um, that can be problematic. Um, too much alkaline is a yeah. problem with plants. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> okay. Wow. So like what's the perfect um, pH level for a plant? Uh -oh. Or, or, or for, <laughs> for barley, I guess, in, in general or whatever. I, I actually don't know. Um, I don't know the answer to that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wow, we found one answer you didn't know. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Would your brother know that type of Like, is he more, you know, in, in, equipped with that kind of knowledge? Joe no, and Dad, they so they might know it. Um, the, the people that would definitely know it would be some of the crop consultants that we pull in. Um, and so we work with uh, Decisive Farming um, and uh, a handful of other um, people and uh, we talk lots with the, the barley breeders and some of the agrologists uh, that work for the province and for Olds College. Um, and those guys are super well versed in that. Um, and yeah, so they can take a pH and, and let you know of all kinds of things about your soil just based on that. Interesting because I'm in the world, I'm like with water, I, I'm, I'm like involved in pH and just understanding it a lot. So that's why I asked that question because I know. That oh, so glad I didn't try to bullshit you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, gotcha. Well, yeah. It's just because your humans don't, don't, um, our systems aren't designed to be acidic. We actually live in a better environment when we're more alkaline based in a sense, like our perfect kind of pH is like an eight besides our stomach. You take our stomach acid, yeah. it can be very acidic because obviously we need to break down the food. Um, but like your overall system, uh, when we're drinking beer, when we're drinking Gatorade, when we're drinking our coffee, when a lot of foods we eat are so acidic that that obviously gets into our systems and, and cancer breeds in an acidic environment. Cancer doesn't survive in alkaline. So it might be a little uh -huh. bit different for humans than it is for plants. That's why I asked that question because pH, I didn't even know what pH stood for until like a few months ago. <laughs> and it's the possibility for hydrogen, which I didn't know. The more hydrogen uh -huh. something has in it, it actually has a, a, a lower pH level. Uh, the the uh, sorry, the more hydrogen rich something is, the higher the pH is, and then the less it is is the lower it is. So okay. something acidic has very low levels of, of hydrogen, and something that's alkaline based has high level. It's alkaline rich um, soil or or water or whatever it might be. And I didn't know for the longest time like pH. You don't really think anything of it, but. Um, yeah, it's just right. a wealth of knowledge here. We have a special guest, ladies and gentlemen. His name is Steve Bosenshank. Well, that's why I asked that question because I was curious. You know, when you hear pH, it's just like, oh, pH. Like, it's something that yeah, just automatically oh, sure. on my mind a lot now um, when and it comes to water. Brewers are, are testing uh, the pH all the time as well. Yeah. So it's the it matters to the farmers, it matters to the brewers. Thankfully, in the malt world, I don't have to know too much. About it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I didn't mean to put but, you on the spot no, there, but yeah. And it might not be as important for you to know that, but it's it's just interesting. Like, oh, well, if humans need this, I wonder what a plant needs. So it's why I asked the question. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, huh. absolutely. No, I love it. Yeah. Anything else for the man? <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I mean, I'm curious. That was really curious because I, I I just don't when you hear about the pH levels of, of soil and, and and we look at it so much in farming, but it's funny that we don't look at it so much in ourselves. Right. And that's why it was mm -hmm. a fascinating question for me because the pH level of your system can well, dictate whether you're healthy or not. Well yeah. It's the technicality of it. It's like, oh I farm. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. Like what like you and then Which you break it down the and you, yeah. the healthiness of a plant yeah. as well. We're organic, and so is the plant. So, like the pH level in both of us 
plays a very big role in our overall no, health. No, totally. And then, oh, you got well, the... Maybe a plan's five and we're in eight. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it could yeah. be... It's just interesting to know maybe where that spectrum lied. Where did the name come from? Like, where did Red Shed come from? Is yeah, it... that is a good question. So, you know... um, I, I see them all the time as a kid when I was growing up on the farm. There's little red sheds kind of all over the place. The farmer you, you guys <laughs> might have seen them a little bit more just on some Maybe. of the road trips with the family and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, the red sheds, you know, they were used for uh, grain storage. And um, we have a, a bigger red shed that we store some equipment in. Um, and so it was just kind of a, a callback to, to to that beautiful aspect of farming, the nice little wood buildings there. Um, it ends up that our... The, what we operate out of is a big red shed. Um, however, the that was not dependent on the name. So um, initially the plan was for it to be in the blue barn, uh, oh, but the, okay. the plan grew too big. And so it got moved to the red shed, but the name was always going to be red shed. Oh, was it? Uh, yeah. Okay. So it wasn't there's no be, argument there. No, there's it was like, going to be red shed okay. malting out of the blue barn, but interesting. Yeah. And so the it, logo it's better. And the logo. Cause I'm a creative guy. I love art. I love like all that stuff. I'm like, you know, just from the mind to the pen to the, just the drawing, whether why, I mean, it's digital now, whatever, but like right. who came up with the, uh, Elise Cheatham logo. Um, okay. so Cheatham creative, and that is uh, my brother's wife's sister. Ah, I was yeah. going to say that's, oh, that's a connection. Sister, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So she did our logo, our website, our business cards. Wow. Um, everything. Yeah. Okay. And it, does she, is that her background and bit like, is that yep. what she does for kind of a full time? Yeah. That's her specialty. And that's, uh, that's what she loves. I dig that. Cool. That's very cool. I'll have to look that up or look her up, I guess. Yeah. So I think um, we could talk about beer all day, but you know, just for, to be mindful of your time and stuff like that. Um, the question I have is what is the vision um, short term, mm. long term for what you want, what you guys want red shed to become where you are now to where you're going in the short term and where you're going in the long term. Like, what do you, what do you think is your, your, your goals, your vision? Like, do you guys talk about that stuff? Yeah. Um, is it, you know, something cause you know, nothing can be accomplished unless it's really thought about, right? There's no goal that ever happens unless it's a goal that actually is manifested and thought about. And like, there's a plan for that. Right. So, um, yeah, same question, I guess, where do you see short-term, long-term that, that your business is going to go? All right. So a little side story first, but it's, uh, so even though we're, you know, a tiny little family business, our start out as a tiny little family business, um, we did, uh, try to, you know, act, act like a, a real business and stuff. So we had, uh, and we continue to have annual general meetings and we'll bring up topics and bring in speakers and, um, watch presentations or read books or stuff like that. Um, and yeah, so one of the early ones was just kind of about citing our purpose and, and our purpose from the start and hasn't changed, uh, is just to make more beer styles possible out of only Canadian ingredients. Yeah. That's something that that's a good highlight. Yeah. And maybe that leads to another question, um, as I'm curious, what is it about Canadian ingredients besides it being Canadian and you being Canadian that that really um, differentiates us maybe from maybe other countries, if you will, or other cultures or what or different beer styles? Yeah, is it is it something that separates Canadians from the rest of the pack? So there, there's kind of two aspects of that. So uh, we want to make more beer styles possible out of only Canadian ingredients. Um, because it is 
cool and awesome to be making beers out of local ingredients. Um, and we had the first malt roaster in Canada. So if you wanted a dark beer like Taylor's drinking, um, you had to use uh, roasted malts. Um, and so when we started, if you wanted to have a dark beer like that, you had to use some red shed malting in it. Um, no shit. Before yeah. us, you, you'd have to use some imported stuff, so either Germany or the UK or United States. No kidding. Um, okay. That's cool. So you that's kind of, kind of... And you guys were the first ones that did it. Sorry to interrupt. For, yeah. First first malt roaster in Canada. No shit. Yeah. That's got to... That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. We're, we're quite proud of that. It yeah. Was, I'm, it was, I'm proud of that. It was neat. <laughs> <laughs> You're on our show. I'm pretty proud to learn that. That's that's wicked. Good for you guys. Thank you. Yeah. So, so yeah. We wanted to make it possible for these breweries who it's... Who their purpose is also to support local and stuff. So we wanted to help them be local. Um, but then cool. on the world stage, um, Canada and specifically Western Canada and maybe more specifically Alberta is the best place to grow barley. Um, and it is back to that, uh, climate that we were talking about. So, um, the long summer days, the cool summer nights, um, and then that good black soil. So we we're just getting good, good quality barley. Um, and I didn't realize, like I, I thought barley cause I grew up on a barley farm, um, so I just thought that was what all farms did. Uh, but it's certainly right. isn't that case. It's you go to Western Canada, they have great trouble, um, growing it without, uh, facing some, some big disease issues and stuff it's um, amazing. and getting the quality. So, Crazy. um, yeah, it's, we want to see, uh, more Alberta barley go into more beers around the world. Um, so there's a, a malt plant that's a lot bigger than us in Alex, Alberta, okay, uh, yeah. and another one yeah. in Calgary. Each of those plants, they do 140,000 tons a year. We do 200 tons a year. So it's very different scales. Sorry, what was those metrics? 140,000 tons. Holy crap. So we're okay. one quarter of 1% of what they do. <laughs> that's, that's, so and that's yeah. in Alex or is that that's Calgary and Alex combined? So th- no, that's in each of those places. Really? Yeah. So what's Holy. Sorry, real quick, because Alex, I mean, is, is most is most people, you blink and you miss it. But Hunterite colony. Yeah. Is that? Is, you, you got the right place. Yeah. <laughs> so there is what is it again what's the name Rar malting ah yeah, those oh, were in the I've bell but, before, but and so they do that then. much yeah so there's but alex jeez wow yeah. so there's breweries Man, that guys, come up these from guys the, on the podcast don't know alex there's like 50 people that live there it's just a bunch of hutterite colonies that's that's really not yeah. to knock hutterites but i probably know more alex's than there are people that live in alex yeah <laughs> crazy um but it's it's super cool what they're doing like they have um breweries from the united states some of the big craft guys uh lagunitas and uh new belgium like the guys that make fat tire and they're coming up here to check out our barley and see how the barley crops are and talk to the farmers and get some of that barley processed at in alex are in Calgary and shipped down to them so it's going across the pacific northwest and unreal so cool that is so cool. So is that I guess going back to the goal thing is, yeah. is one of a goal to obviously you know to to get close to that same level, um, or is it more of like quality versus quantity type of thing for for you guys? Yeah, somewhere in between. Um, so it's we do want to have a, we want to scale up a little bit. Um, we don't need to go to one hundred forty thousand tons. Yeah. Um, but we want to be able to comfortably support, you know, uh, my family, my brother's family, my parents, um, and some employees. 
Um, and we want to keep growing with the industry. So when we started in Alberta, there was 19 people brewing beer and we were, uh, dealing with about half of them. Um, now in the province, there's well over a hundred breweries and we're still dealing with about Holy half shit, of them. Yeah. And um, then, and what's the time period on that? Uh, like seven years ish. Really? Give or take. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. Wow. 100%. So it's yep. five times ballpark. Yeah. Four, four or five times, relatively speaking for what it was to what it is now. Yeah, it's been nuts. In seven years. Yeah. That's fast. That's a fast growing industry. Holy yeah. crazy. And to start a brewery is is quite expensive. Like, I mean, I know you guys don't have a brewery. You guys are more the, you know. The, the supplier. The, the, the su- yeah. Uh, but to start a brewery, I mean, man, you probably know better than me. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I know one guy in the industry. Uh, his name's Liam. Anyways, uh, you know, long story short here. He... He was heavily, he's heavily into it or was, and it's like, it's a million to 1.5 to start one up, if not more. So it's, it's interesting. The, the price tag on starting a brewery and being, uh, having a likelihood of being successful, um, the amount of cash that you have going in has gone up. Um, when we first started though, it was right when Alberta got rid of the minimum production laws and changed some of the taxation stuff. Um, and it was, it was a little bit of the wild west. So, um, one of the great success stories in Alberta is Dandy Brewing. Um, they were, you know, three buddies that were taking the old college brewmaster program. Um, they were, you know, college age students and, um, coming out of that, they were able to scratch together enough money to, to start up a small brewery. And it was, um, dairy tanks that were cut in half and, uh, brew house that was, you know, just really kind of pieced together. And, uh, they were brew, had plastic fermenters, uh, for a while. Um, and they were just brewing it, you know, a few kegs at a time and serving a very small, uh, little pocket in Calgary. Um, but they were making great beers and they, they made their space a place that people wanted to go sit down and, uh, got to know their, their community and people rallied behind them and they were able to, to grow and they got a bigger brew house. Um, and then eventually they got a whole new brewery. They got a sweet kitchen in there. Um, and so what they started, I, I didn't look at that business plan, but you know, maybe they started it for a hundred grand and, um, you know, it, to start what they have now would be well over a million. Okay. Yeah. That's a great yeah. Canadian story. I was gonna say, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. And you there's a bunch of them in the, the brewing the, industry. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like you, they were grassroots, like, like almost like we're just going to salvage whatever the fuck we can get and just get going. Yeah. Like, and again, you know, we were talking a little bit off, off the cuff here, but I guarantee you when those guys started out, people must be like, you're, that's a stupid idea. Yeah, you Why, quit your job. You quit or your whatever. job. Why are you putting a hundred yeah. grand into that? You got plastic fucking fermenters. <laughs> are you guys retarded? You know, that won't you know? work. Yeah. You know, like, you like, and then look at it now. I mean, I love hearing stories about people just like, I'm going to c- carry this flag and we're running with I don't it, give man. Fuck who's following us, you have to we're shoot going. me. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's going. a similar story to, and you, I know you know that, man. You're in the, come on, you're in the industry. You know a lot of people here in central Alberta, not the whole province, but is Snake Lake. Like Adam and the other fellas there, the founders, I think there's, there's two of them, but they came from the trades. You know, good positions, the young bucks in their thirties, if not high, you know, uh, yeah. you know, higher twenties there, if you will. But they just, that's where they started. 
right? And then and they same thing. Like we're just gonna do this. We got a little bit of knowledge. Hired a you know more or less a master brewer, if you will, and 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 look where they're at now, right? So, yeah, it's uh you know they. They they started small and, you know, we, we talked earlier about, you know, bringing in the right talent and stuff. And, uh, like you said, they brought in uh brewmaster, they brought in Octavio, Octavio. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah and, right. and, uh, he had just some brilliant recipes like that Sidewinder IPA is just a beautiful, oh, yeah. beautiful beer. Yeah. I've had that actually. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's a boss. It's, it's been through Bose for I sure. I think I've had that at Bose for sure. Yeah. That, that name sounds so familiar and it was on their 20 list. Because this is their slide when they had the water yeah, park, right? Yeah. I'm pretty I love sure. their, their history and their Snake Lake and how it was Sylvan Lake mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. It's yeah, cool. It's I very like cool. I love idea. that. It's very creative. So, yeah. And they're, they're doing good things and they got Jesse brewing in there now. And Jesse's just making some super cool beers with, um, really interesting ingredients. So using some awesome New Zealand hops and, using like a great must and just getting all kinds of creative. It's, mm. it's good stuff. Yeah, for sure. So as we wrap up here, man, I mean, I, I'm sure we can talk all night, but uh, we want you to enjoy your evening as well here, brother. But who do you kind of, you know, just for the audience and even our knowledge, who do you supply to, right? Like snake Lake, like troubled monk to name a few, but who, who else do you guys, you and the red shed and the family business, who do you guys supply to? Um, it, it's a long list. It's, uh, over a hundred customers now. Oh, wow. Um, good job. Thank you. Thank you. Um, one of the, the, the early supporters and the strongest supporters has been, um, blind man brewing, uh, um, blind man. Yeah. And you know, you know guys, they're yeah. another one that's, you know, they, they grew many times over, um, yeah, since yeah. starting. Um, they're very, reputable name in this community they for sure. they, they're getting a uh, good reputation knows around blind the world yeah. yeah um and then red heart's another one they really yeah, um yeah. go out of their way to to find ways to use our ingredients in their beers um we're actually lucky enough that we were able to get into business with both of them with through craft beer commonwealth um, oh that's cool yeah shout out um, to them by the way yeah, yeah that's yeah. a local that's thank a staple you. here yeah, yeah i love that um, and then lately we've been doing some, some stuff with distilleries as well. So Bridgeland Distillery has been a huge supporter. Um, and, and that's, that's an exciting world too. Like, uh, I, I think, um, uh, spirits, like especially whiskey is, is something that's really going to showcase Canadian ingredients well and yeah. uh, oh, that's uh, around the world. Yeah. Something you guys are getting into then? Or you're already uh, we're, we're supplying supplying distilleries, yeah. Oh, okay, that's so yeah. Cool. And so um, there's a worldwide whiskey shortage out there now, and really, uh, we got some uh, Alberta okay. entrepreneurs that are rushing to fill that gap. Push uh, that! Wow, it, hello. It's a long game. I love that. <laughs> Here's my next transition. We're getting into the whiskey game. That's yeah. awesome. And I think before we just to uh, we could talk about beer all day, and I know you want to kind of transition and and you know call the show a wrap more or less, but I think getting away from the beer, getting away from kind of what we talked about a little bit. I just want to, how I'd like to end the show, I guess, if you will, is you just got married. I heard. Yep. You got a baby on the way and yep. I'd, and I'd love to kind of end the podcast with um, just a little bit of, you know, kind of highlighting some things that you're looking forward to, not only with being married, but what it's going to be to be a dad for the first time and and how that's going to the excitement that's coming for what, what do you feel like, you know, just everything that encompasses all of that. It sounds like, you know, there's a lot of things that happen and I'd, I'd love to just 
kind of a little bit of a different direction, but uh, just people glow when they're able to talk about their family. And I want to give you the opportunity to talk about what you have going on. All right. Well, well, thanks for the the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, so, so excited to become a dad. Um, so excited to be newlywed. Sonia is amazing. Um, it's, it's been great change in my life. Um, she's getting me, uh, outdoors more, okay, okay, biking yeah. more. Um, there we go. Yeah. So do, doing some more fun things. Um, and, and so we're just super excited to, to start raising another human and, yeah. um, yeah, it's start, start building the legacy and, um, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting and terrifying and uh, <laughs> exhilarating. And I've been there. Everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you guys find out the sex? Uh, I think it's Monday is we got oh, an appointment. Monday. Yeah, you're gonna find out. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, there's enough surprises that come with. Oh, the, I, uh, I think the obvious the obvious question is, what are you hoping for? <laughs> I'm hoping for a baby, <laughs> a real human baby. That's a great answer. <laughs> Little That's alien. A great answer. <laughs> Okay, yeah. that's a good answer. Happy and healthy. That. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's awesome. I remember what it was like to you know. I have an 11 year old daughter now, so I know what that stage was like. So, congrats. Yeah, I just wanted to let you have an opportunity to talk about that. I guess just last question, and then if Taylor has any other questions, there would be like, what um, what's one thing you look forward to? I guess two part question. What's the one thing you look forward to the most to being a dad, and then what's the biggest thing you fear? Good one. Uh, what I fear is sleep. Like I need my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to deal well with uh, running running on fumes. Um, but what what's exciting is just, um, yeah, it's you know with business and stuff. We've we, you know we created a business and we're uh, creating relationships that way. Um, and meeting a lot of people and doing cool things, uh, helping people out. But this is a whole nother level. Like it's, um, that the level of responsibility and, um, you know, I, I can't wait to, to care for a human that much and, um, you know, teach them what I teach them what I know and, uh, help them be successful and, and see, see what they can become. Yeah. That's it. There's, it is true as a parent, I can say like, there's no way you can really describe the love that you actually have for your, your child. And like, you just, it just always inspires you to be a better person. Like you just want to be a good human. If obviously if you're a good parent, there's obviously bad parents out there, but um, we know that we're talking to another good one here, but um, it's just, it's just crazy how much it's like, it's just that like crazy love right from the start. Like right when they come out, you're just like bonded to them. It's so intense and it's, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, so yeah, I'm happy for you there. Um, any questions that you have there, Taylor? Yeah, I got, I got a last one here in closing. A great question there, Steve. Appreciate that. Uh, cause that's, that's due. Uh, we got to give him the, uh, the platform and opportunity to expand on that. But in closing, personally and with business, where can people find you, man? Um, great question. Yeah, so to to find us on social, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, all the handles are Red Shed Malting. Um, ends up there's not a lot of malting companies out there, so it's easy to get our stuff. Um, uh, physically, if you if you want to try our products, just keep drinking Alberta beer, and you know it's we're in BC, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, uh, Whitehorse as well. Um, 
but yeah, just uh, just keep showing up at those tap rooms and drinking the, the beers and um, yeah, those, those beers are helping your community and uh, they, they make you feel pretty good too. Uh, so enjoy that. Love it. Thank you so much, man. I already know they taste great and I'm going to continue to drink them and support you guys, but uh, definitely give give Matt and the family in Red Shed uh, a shout out, follow, support, comment, like, you know, all that good stuff. I mean, it it, uh, it goes a long way. And once again, man, Steve and I, of course, appreciate your time. I'm, I know we could have talked a lot longer, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a podcast episode is a podcast episode. So maybe we'll have to do a 2.0 here in the future. But thank you yeah. so much again for your time, man. Yeah, I appreciate you. you so much. And uh, to see your growth uh, personally and in business and what you're doing with the family, a newborn on the way, being married, all that good stuff is just so exciting, uh, you know, from from a friend to see. So uh, keep it up and uh, we'll be in touch. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. It's uh it's it's exciting to kind of follow you uh, from your career after school here. And you guys uh, love what you're doing. You guys are creators, um, terrific banter, and you guys got a bright future. Uh, we appreciate that. And uh, I mean, all we can say is supporters, thank you for tuning in as always. And, you know, that's another episode of Wirely Inspired. So this is Steve Bozenchenko saying goodbye with Taylor Pasichnik doing the same thing.